Lord today, amen. How many of just already sensed the presence of the Lord in this place today? It's just an amazing, an amazing presence in here today. Just thank God for it. So good to see you on the Sunday before Christmas. Hallelujah. How many are ready for Christmas? Yeah? It's coming whether we're ready or not, right? Is it just me or has this year like gone by pretty quick? It's been a fast year. It's been a difficult year, but it's been a fast year. Thank God that it's been a fast year. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to 2021. I believe good things are going to happen right here on the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee at New Harvest Church on 2021. Amen. Amen. I believe the devil has unleashed his fury, but it will not prevail. The greater one lives on the inside of us, amen. So I'm excited. I know, I know this year is uh, just, it's just a year. It's just, but I think it was a preparation year for the church. If nothing else, I believe the church is learning how to fight. We're learning how to fight back. We're learning how to speak back to our enemies. We're learning how to talk back to the devil. Remember when you was a teenager and you talked back? Huh? Some of y'all way too sanctified. Y'all got saved when you were in your mama's womb, I guess. But you talk back. I just believe, I believe, I believe that God is raising up an end time remnant of people that's not intimidated by the wiles of the enemy, the schemes of the enemy, the schematic, the systems of the enemy, because we believe we were born for this hour. Amen. You could have been born at any other given time in the history of mankind, but God had enough confidence to put you in this hour. Amen. In this hour, because he wants to use us for something significant. Amen. I told the church on Tuesday night at our corporate prayer meeting, I was using the example of the man in Acts chapter 3 who'd been lame, who'd been lame and he was laying at the gate called Beautiful. And uh, when Peter and John came by and he said, silver, they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we give or such as we have, we give to you in the name of the Lord and rise up and walk. And the Bible says, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones began to re receive strength. He had been there his entire life begging for something. He'd been there begging for something that he wanted. But God was giving something, giving him something that God wanted. It's one thing when you want something, but it's another thing when God wants to give you something that he wants you to have. Hallelujah. And the Bible says when his feet and ankle bones began to get power to him and he straightened up, he ran into the temple leaping and praising the Lord. He may have been limping all of his life, but when the power of God touched him, he began to leap. I believe we're about to come into a leaping season where the power of God is touching the body of Christ where there's been deformity, where there's been a limp, where there's been uh, a lid or a ceiling, however you want to categorize it, I believe there's about to be a freedom that's about to break out in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm not preaching yet, but you can go ahead and throw an amen in there right there because I believe that God is raising his people up for an end-time, significant, all-out move of God that's going to shake the entire earth. Amen. So we're excited about those things. I know uh, Pastor Vanessa was saying a while ago that talking about you can't be silent. I'm telling you, don't let the enemy keep you silent going into 2021. Don't do it. Don't do it. You, you, you got to break silence. You, got, you can't let the enemy keep your mouth shut. 
Hallelujah. And I, and I believe I believe one of the things, and we'll, we'll talk about it getting into the next year, but but I believe one of the things that God is releasing over this house is a spirit to be radical. All the all the conservative Christians are like going, well, I don't know now. I mean, I mean a real radical, I don't care what you think of me kind of spirit. Because you can't save me, you can't heal me, you can't deliver me, but I know one that can. Hallelujah. And I believe there is a radical spirit that's not going to be intimidated by the works of the devil. Amen. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy. One translation says that he might annihilate the works of the devil. So just push on somebody and tell them you might as well get pumped up now. You might as well get a radical spirit now because this church is about to be baptized into something fresh and anew. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're just getting ready for those things, and uh, we're excited about it. Thank you, guys. Last week, you just blessed Karen and I so much with your, with your love offering. Thank you for your, your texts, your calls, your letters, your gifts. This house just is so good to us, and we are so honored just to be a part of the journey of this Christian walk with you. And thank you. Thank you for loving on us. Thank you for caring for us. And we really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. You guys always do over and above, beyond. And we can never thank you enough. I'm just so glad that we get to do it together. Amen. So thank you for loving us. And let me just make one quick announcement. Uh, next, uh, This coming Tuesday and the following Tuesdays, uh, we won't have prayer meeting on the next two Tuesdays. We're just letting that be the time for family and just break away from everything. We're going to have Sunday morning services, but we won't have any prayer meeting services this coming Tuesday or the following Tuesday as we got Christmas and New Year's and all the things that go on with that. So we're going to give you a break. Amen. You can still pray. <laughs> I pray that you still pray. We just won't do it corporately. We're just going to break that time off. But um, we're excited. I'm excited. I, I believe that um, we're coming to the end of the year. Um, I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, the uh, some other pastor friends. I feel it. I'm, I'm coming to the end of the year, and I, I feel mentally fatigued, physically fatigued, spiritually fatigued. But I ain't ready to quit. Hallelujah. I feel the weight of just like, what a year. But I believe that God is going to renew our strength. Amen. I believe that God is going to just empower us. And that's why I just believe in corporate praise. I don't need to say all this to, to a lot of people in this church, but when we gather in corporate praise, it's not a time to begin to be a spectator. Because there's something that gets released in corporate praise that just begins to set the tone and the atmosphere for the presence of God to invade. Amen. And so I just believe even going into 2021, listen, the way you leave is the way you enter. We're not leaving 2020 limping. We're going to leap up out of here in Jesus' name, and we're going to hit the ground running in 2021. Amen. Amen. Yes, we are. Amen. It's good to see our friends here, Chris and Ryan. God bless you guys. Good to see y'all all the way from, what, Central Florida? <laughs> all the way from South Carolina. Good bless you guys. It's good to see you today in Jesus' name. Well, stand to your feet. Are you ready for the word today? Hallelujah. This is the, uh, there's only one more Sunday after today, and then we're done. We're done. Um, 
Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. I guess this is the Sunday right before Christmas. Hey, we do have a Christmas Eve service on Thursday night. It's just a one-hour service. It's a candlelight communion service. Just bring your families. Just come in here. It's just we're going to have worship. We're going to have praise. And we're going to receive communion together as a family. I believe the best way that you can celebrate what Christmas is all about is to love on the one that it's about. Amen. Amen. So we just want to encourage you to come out. It's only for one hour when we keep it really strict. We keep it really tight. It's just for that one hour service and you can go back with your family or the festivities, whatever you have going on. But that's going to be on Thursday night from 6 to 7. Matthew chapter 1. I think I got something here today. It's going to be a little different. Uh, I told Pastor Carlos the other day at my house, he, he came by to drop something off, I think. I don't remember what it was. Oh, he came by to fix my phone. My phone my phone had a demon in it. And it just it wouldn't cooperate, so I couldn't cast it out, so I called Pastor Carlos. And anyway, I was just telling him that for the whole year, I, I you know, God spoke to us in January that this would be our comeback year. And, and the way that God does that for me, God speaks a word, and then I just work with that word. I just work with that word until it begins to manifest. I don't just preach it and forget about it. So, so, so the theme of my life this year in preaching, and I've only missed two Sunday services. I've only missed two. One I preached in Fort Myers, and the other one was the Sunday that my dad died. I've been here every Sunday. But, and I've been on this mission, if you can call it that. I've been on this mission pushing us in a direction that I believe that was going to release a comeback season in our life. God's not finished with what he started. I, I just, I'm, I'm not finished with that either. And so I, I was just telling Pastor Carlos, I felt like I've just, I've, I've birthed everything that I felt like was in my spirit this year. And, and so coming in today, I was just praying this week, coming into Sunday. And, and, I, and I want to try to work with the Christmas message just a little bit. And just maybe bring some clarity and understanding. But I want to put it on a different twist. It's not going to be your traditional Christmas message. There's nothing about traditional about us anyway. Amen. So go with me to Matthew chapter 1. And I'm just going to begin reading in verse number 18. And this is part of the Christmas story here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, betrothed, not betrothed, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which means or translated God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary as his wife, and he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Look with me in chapter 2. Guys, I didn't give you this, but go to chapter 2 there, verse number 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the Magi, or the wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. When Herod heard about it, he was troubled. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 21 of chapter 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want to talk to you this morning just for a few moments on the subject that I've titled, Why We Need Christmas. Why We Need Christmas. And I need you to help me to do something real quick before I pray. Run to about three people and elbow and push them or whatever you want to do and tell them everybody needs a Christmas. Come on, tell them everybody needs a Christmas. Everybody needs a Christmas. Everybody needs a Christmas. Everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Somebody shout everybody. Everybody needs a Christmas. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you today. Hallelujah. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher, the revelator. You're the communicator. You're the revealer of all truth. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you for the revelation of God. Lord, let me speak as it were the oracles of God. Wear me. Put me on like a coat. Let me speak and declare the things that you've already said to me. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. And, Lord, I thank you for breakout, breakthrough, overcoming power that's going to be released in people's lives all over this building and those that are watching online. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for all of it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Ever since the arrival of Jesus, uh, just a little over 2,000 years ago, in every generation since his arrival, there has been a segment of society that has done their very best to try to explain him away. In every segment of society, there's always been somebody that's tried to explain him away since his arrival. Even in our nation today, we have this ongoing, unsettled controversy or war, if I could say it that way, in our culture that's literally, literally trying to eradicate Jesus from the culture. Uh, the Christmas message in our culture is merely just part of the ongoing battle that's against Christianity. It's just part of the battle. It's just part of the ongoing war that we find ourselves in because whether we agree with or not, we are living in a post-Christian culture. We're living in a post-Christian society. And this should come to us not as a shock, 
but as a reminder, because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 8, that Jesus will be a rock of offense. He said he'll be a stumbling block. He'll be a stone of stumbling. And so anybody that's outside of Jesus will always be offended by Jesus. Uh, the problem I don't have with that is, the problem that I have is when the church gets offended by Jesus. I don't have a problem that the world gets offended by him because that's what the Bible says would happen. But it becomes a big stigma to me when the people of God get offended by the one that we're called to serve. And so, so, so you realize today that, uh, that it was the Christians, it was the believers who created America. I could tell the ones that went through history class. It was the Christians who created America and made our religious liberties and its freedoms that we know of today. And it was our religious freedoms that became the very conscience of the foundation to all of our freedoms. Uh, had it not been for believers, the America that we have known would not be the America that it is. But there were some believers who left the tyranny of another continent to come here so that they could give freedom of expression and praise and worship and not be controlled by a tyranny called government. So they left there to come here, and in doing so, those Christians gave a great gift, not only to we as Americans, but to people all over the world whose freedoms have been helped and defended by America. It's the gift. It's the gift that they gave us. This America now, I'm going somewhere, so don't check out on me. This America now that we have loved is now under attack. Not so much as in culture, but as in freedom of religion, Christianity. Christianity, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Islam. Not Harry Krishna, not Mr. Moon. Christianity is under attack because there's something about Christ in Christianity that offends people. <laughs> and so, so we're under this attack and we're under these, these real strong eyes that are on us. I'm just trying to get to where I want to go here. And the freedom of even speech for most Christians is now non-existent without being attacked. And this is true right here. The, the, for if you're a Christian conservative, it's now non-existent to have freedom of speech on our major universities in America. Don't exist. Don't exist. Now we're dealing with big tech industries who have aligned themselves with the media and Hollywood who continue to drive their false narratives in our culture and trying to censor the voice of the church. And we are engaged in this war. Come on, look at somebody say, this means war, baby. This means war. We're, in, we're engaged in a war. And, and this is where the church has to come alive. 
This is where the church has to be awakened to what is going on in the culture so that we can really continue to do what we're going to do on Friday, and that is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if our culture gets its way, they're already trying to say it now, we're going to cancel Christmas. And I'm just trying to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the moment the church begins to realize that we have a voice, we have a place, and we have a right to speak back to the culture and to the dominating spirits of our society and say, as long as I got breath in my body, I'm going to celebrate Christ at Christmas. That's what I believe. That's who I am. And so there has to be this pushback. There has to be this understanding that we're engaged in a war that's trying to silence our message. Because our message is a message of truth. You got to understand today that truth is not an idea. Truth is not a theory. Truth is not some random school of thought. Truth is a person. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, what is truth? He was looking at truth, but he couldn't discern truth. Because truth is not an idea. Truth is found in the person. And when you reject the person, you reject the truth. You wonder why society is jacked up. It's not because they don't have nothing to say. It's just because they, hadn't re they have neglected the truth as a person. There's only one truth, and then everybody's opinions. <laughs> and you have to decide what, you, what are you going to be on, which side you're going to be on. Proverbs 14, 15, I read this earlier this week. It says, a fool will believe anything. <laughs> a fool will believe anything. That's our culture. It'll believe anything. Well, we want to cancel history. Are you crazy? We're going to cancel culture. What does that mean? You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. If you, don't want, if you want to repeat the mistakes of the past, just cancel the culture. Cancel history. Because then it will be sure to repeat itself. Now watch this. Let me just break this down. Y'all still with me? Is this all right? I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm about to get to where I'm going. Just stay with me. I'm just trying to work it out here because this is the timeline that I'm trying to, to bring it together with. Watch Watch this, and let me just show you how we got to where we are. During the turn of the 20th century, Judeo-Christian values were actually promoted in this nation. That was at the turn of the 20th century um, in our nation. By the 1950s, they were celebrated, Judeo-Christian values. Then when you hit the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, they were tolerated. We went from being celebrated to being tolerated. And by the time you get to the 1990s and the late 2000s, Judeo-Christian values were hated in secular culture. It went from being promoted to celebrated to tolerated to being hated. And it partly began in the 1920s when our Bible colleges were replaced with higher learning institutions that began to take on the role of secular humanists, which is an anti-God spirit. 
Mom and dads, I just want to help you understand. Make sure that your children have a strong foundation before you send them off to a university. Because they will be talked out of their faith. That's not me saying it. That's statistically proven. They will be talked out of their faith before they get to their sophomore year. Because what's teaching them are Marxist trained professors. And it's, and it's not, and it's, it's, it's because there's an agenda attached to the movement that's against Christianity. And the only beacon of hope, the only ray of hope, is that the church in America begins to realize that the assault on Christianity is not just a personal attack on New Harvest or whatever your name of your church is. It's an, it's an attack on human, on mankind across the world because if the enemy can overthrow America, he'll overthrow everything else in the world. So, 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 so you had these secular humanists that began to move into these higher learning institutes, and this is when the... This is when everything began to change in the 1920s. Our, 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 most of our Ivy League colleges started out as Bible colleges. Now they're, they're so far removed from God, so far out of touch from the things of God. And then in 1954, you throw in the Johnson Amendment, resulting in the, 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 the legal possibility of revoking nonprofits their 501c3 status for churches if they engage in endorsing a candidate or got involved in anything political. And so what the church went and started to do in the 50s is that we didn't want to lose our 501c3, our tax-exempt status, so we began to comply with the pressure that was being put on us. And what happens is our pulpits turned into preaching about escapism versus dominion. We begin to preach about getting up out of here rather than occupying what we already know we could have. And so our, our pulpits, and so for now, over the last nearly 100 years, uh, 75 years plus, our pulpits have been preaching about we can't just wait to get up out of here. We got to vacate. While the whole time, the church was never empowered to vacate. The church was empowered to occupy. The church was empowered to have dominion in the earth. The, 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 the Bible says that God gave heaven and earth. He gave the earth to men. God runs the heavens, but he gave the earth to men. And we have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you surrender, the devil takes over. Whatever you give up, the devil locks down. And so here we are now living in the 21st century, and our churches are scared. Our peop the people of God are scared. We're scared of everything that could come our way. And I'm just trying to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on in California is just a breath away from happening right here in Florida. What's going on in other parts of the nation is just a breath away from a hitting small town, USA. But I just believe there's a movement of God. I believe there's a spirit of God that's raising the people back up. And I believe we did not come this far to leave it up to the devil. We came this far because God is at work in his people. Push on somebody and tell them everybody needs a Christmas. So, so our churches now have become silent. Oh, I'm going to get somewhere. Our churches have become silent on significant cultural issues because we didn't want to lose our tax exempt. Only in America would we put that kind of theology on God. Most of the world don't have tax exempt. 
Most of the believers around the world don't even know what tax exempt is. They're just trying to believe God to put food on their table, water in their sink. They're just trying to believe God to get through one more day. While in America, we have become so can I say it this way, so fat and lazy that we have, re- we, have, we have reduced the power of God to the way we feel about the control of society and culture. But I believe there's an anointing. Oh, my Lord, I want to preach it. I believe there's an anointing coming back into the body of Christ, and we're saying back to every principality, at, to every power, every uh, movement of demonic activity, you cannot have what God hath authorized us to purchase. Can't have it. Can't have it. Can't have it. That's why everybody needs a Christmas. The silence of the church has effectively taken, this was happened in the 50s, this is when it began to move, it effectively took the gospel, Christ, out of the public squares. And so when we moved, there came a vacuum. And the humanistic spirit of our culture was glad to fill it. God has never engaged anything and lost. (laughs) God has never been a part of anything and just gave it up. when, When God gets engaged in something, it's to win. God is a winner. He's the undisputed deity of the world. <laughs> and so we got this thing going on. I'm going to get to where I'm going. I just got a few more minutes to lay it out. Now our nation is being held in contempt, being held down, and led by an ideology of a rebellious spirit that had entrance into the lives of the children of the 60s. Now, if you were alive in the 60s, let's just go ahead and repent now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. You out there, free love, free sex, cultural revolution. And now the children of the 60s that birthed rebellion, I'm not saying they actually birthed it, but they allowed the spirit of rebellion to move through that generation because churches were threatened. If you say anything against anybody or any political stance, we're going to take your 501c3 and we're going to shut you down. So churches became quiet, and the spirit of humanism began to take over an entire generation. Now, that generation who we thought was just out there at Woodstock having a good time is now sitting in our governmental offices dictating policy. And so now we have to regain ground that we lost so that we can further the next generation a little bit further down the road. It's amazing to me, I was thinking about this earlier today, it's amazing to me what we will sacrifice for comfort. It's amazing to me what we will sacrifice for stability. It's amazing how we will sell our birthright for a bowl of beans. It's amazing to me what we will give up for the sake of money, for the sake of comfort, for the sake of no harassment, 
Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand, when Jesus arrived on, his pla- on this planet, he was declaring war against every spirit that was occupying this planet. And he was saying, I'm about to bring a kingdom into this planet. It's a kingdom that will bid, bid the will of God from the, earth, from the heavenlies to the earthly, and it will begin to manifest the free power of God into a culture, into a society. If you think for a moment that we're going to surrender the earth up to a devil's hell, you are living on the wrong planet because God did not come to make us comfortable. He came to empower us to go against every force, every dictator, every problem that the world can muster. The answer to the world is not in government. The answer to the world is not in politicians. They have a job, but the church has a job. The church has a job to do and that is to be the beacon of hope and life to a dying generation come on push on somebody and tell them we got to have some Christmas we got to have some Christmas you got to have it you got to have it see when you become so addicted to comfort hmm, you get controlled by anything you don't want to suffer through So now we got in the body of Christ. I'm not just saying no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm preaching, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, he might be talking about you, but we don't know. We don't know. We, so, so, so now, now we have comfortable Christianity. It's comfortable Christianity. Don't ask me to sacrifice. Don't, don't, don't ask me, don't ask me to be a part of something. I'll, I'll be a part when I got time. I'll sacrifice when I feel like it. I'll give up when I don't have nothing else to give up. And and I don't really need God unless I need God. I'm just going to treat him like a vending machine. I'm just going to put a quarter in there when I need a blessing. But apart from that, I'm not going to give him praise. I'm not going to give him worship. I'm not going to serve in the church. I'm just going to show up when I want to. I'm just going to use him as a Santa Claus God. And I'm just going to pull from him at one time a year when I really need something. I'm not going to call on him unless I really need him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the church in America. But can I tell you, I believe to the core of my being, there's a remnant. There's a remnant that says we will not give up the things that God has promised that we could have. Because the moment you start moving with that stuff, next thing you know, you'll give up your peace, you'll give up your health, you'll give up your marriage, you'll give up your children, you'll give things up so easily that the devil will just use you as a pawn. He'll run and move roughshod over you all the days of your life. Amen. We're not called to be comfortable. We're called to be disciples. The world's not changed through believers. The world is changed through disciples. The world, the world gets changed by people who follow on to know him. People who, uh, it's not, my, my Christian experience is not at Christmas. My, my Christian experience doesn't happen at Easter. Come on, that's comfortable Christianity. Our churches are full at Christmas and Easter. But that's comfortable Christianity. You're, you're, and I'm not saying you're in here. I'm just saying those people are part of the problem because you just want to pull from God when you need. You don't pray until you need God to do something. You don't give until you want something from God. And I'm just trying to say there's a generation that says, I'm tired of fake Christianity. I'm tired of being somebody's pawn and pet. I believe there's an anointing to raise me above the powers of hell. So, so this will be on the screen for you. So this is what happened. If we haven't been careful, our messages have been watered down to become relevant instead of reforming. We, we just want to be relevant. 
you know, we just won't fit in with the culture. We, we, we want the culture to like us. Well, I do too. I, 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 I want to be liked. I don't want to be, I don't want nobody to be mad at me, but the reality it is, of it is, people get mad. People get mad. And at the end of the day, guess what? I don't get to answer to you. I get to answer to him. He holds a little bit more weight than you do. And so now, because, you know, we're Facebook-friendly people, right? Because we want everybody to like us. Jesus was not crucified because he was loved. He was crucified because he was hated. And just, just so it'll help us understand the culture, Jesus was not crucified by the people that followed him. He was crucified by a religious system that was against him. Because you can be religious and not be in relationship. Come on, I see it on Facebook all the time because I know I got some crazy friends on Facebook. I'm glad none of y'all are in here today. I got some crazy friends on Facebook. I watch them, I watch them post scriptures. And then the next breath, they're cussing somebody else out on Facebook. I'm like, it must be schizophrenic. That's a bad day. Didn't take your medication that morning, whatever. It's like the double standards. So what, what is happening now, I'm, I'm going to get to Christ here in a minute in Christmas, Jingle Bells and Santa Claus. We become a seeker-sensitive society that has shifted the church's focus from theological messages to therapeutic motivational speeches. Because when you speak truth, you can't talk about truth without implying a person. And if you're going to speak on theological issues, it doesn't come to appease your sin. It comes to confront it. It doesn't come to compromise with your bad attitude. It doesn't come to just settle with, well, I'm just having a bad day. No, sooner or later, you've been serving God for 15, 20 years. Sooner or later, there ought to be enough in you to say, no, I'm going to resist that. No, I'm going to follow on to know God. No, I'm going to walk in the power of his revelation. No, I'm not going to just give in to the powers of hell. I'm not going to let my life be on a roller coaster when he's called me to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Amen. So in our quest now, because in our quest, because, you know, everybody wants to reach more people. We, we have these mega churches, and I'm not faulting them. That many of them are really awesome institutions that they do great work. I'm not, I'm not throwing, casting stones on that. But in our quest to reach more people and to be more relevant, the church has ceased from becoming cultural reformers. And so what we've done is we've lost influence into the culture. Hopefully next year we're going to start some sort of building pro program, campaign, something for our new building. And our new building is going to be state of the art. It's going to cost us at least a couple million dollars, probably more by the time we get everything in it. Depends on how good Clyde feels that day. 
<laughs> Just thought I'd throw that little plug in there. I don't know if he's here today or not. I th- think I saw him. I'm not sure. No. <laughs> but it's going to have the bells and whistles. It's going to have everything. It's going to be state of the art. It's going to look like Disney World when you walk in there. I'm not afraid to be irrelevant with stuff. But I'm not going to preach a gospel relevancy to entertain the lives of somebody who's half carnal. Because at the end of the day, what matters is that Jesus came not to appease your sin. He came to save you from your sins. That's what the Christmas message is about. He shall, his name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. He didn't come to make you feel good. He didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. He came to make you different. He came to make you a cut above. He came to separate the wheat from the chaff. He came to put a distinction on your life so that when you walk in the midst of darkness, there's a light that's outshining the power of the darkness. He's called you to be the head and not be drug around behind. He's called you to be the influencers of your family, the influencers on your job, and the influencers of society. He's called you to be his own. Nothing else. That is the message of Christmas. Did it ever dawn on you that we're not called to be the honey of the world. We're called to be the salt of the earth. I don't know if you ever back in the day, I know this ain't salt, but back in the day my mom had this red stuff. And when you got cut, Methylate, cure, cure hurt. Mama, my mom would just like, you know, we, as boys, you know, we always got scut up, cut up, you know. I got, I got places in my leg that I should have had stitches, but my mom said, no, this will cure you right here. Just be still. We're going to rub some of this red stuff on you. You'll be all right. Just going back out there. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, you'll be healed. Be healed as you go. That's the way we grew up. And I can remember when that red stuff came across that cut. You might as well, like, strap fire to your leg. I mean, your leg was on fire, and it was burning. Like, it burned all the way to the inner cells. And and she said, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to heal it. It's going to heal it. Well, that's what salt is to an open wound. If you don't get salt in that open wound, you can get gangrene. And gangrene will kill you. So you can burn for a little bit while the healing is taking place, or you can swell up with infection and die. Can't get no help. The world is decaying, and we are like salt to a slow decay. We, 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 are, we, we are the agent ascribed by God. And not only does salt burn a little bit, irritate a little bit, but it also adds flavor. When the world looks at us, we ought to be burning a little bit. It ought to be, that, that, they ought to have a little bit of agitation when they get around us. It's not that you've got to be holy in front of them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there ought to be a lifestyle about you that when they get in your presence, there's something uncomfortable. They watch what they say. They watch how they say it. Because there's enough of God on the inside of you that they don't become so familiar with the anointing that's on you. Amen. Amen. 
But see, when you become compromised, when you become compromised in your walk with God, then what Christmas is really all about means nothing because it just becomes a ceremonial God. You just want God there when you need him. (laughs) And so now, if we're not careful, we're being conditioned to remain silent. But that was then. This is now. Come on, look at somebody tell them, silent no more. Silent no more. There's a generation at hand. I'm just saying it the way I feel like God says it to me. There's a generation on the table right now. There's a generation rising in our ranks right now. And if you're alive right now, you're part of that generation. There's a generation right now that understands the day that we've been summoned to. They understand the day that we are living in, and we're not going to be quiet. You're not going to talk me out of my faith, and you're not going to intimidate me out of my worship. Because we refuse to agree with an anti-God spirit. This will be on the screen for you. See, the kingdom of God is not bound to a political ideology. It's not, the kingdom of God is not dependent on any man. And it's not subject to any human agenda. Don't ever think that the government of man is more powerful than the government of God. And if we're not careful, we can miss the birth of an awakening just as people missed the birth of Jesus in their day. They missed him in their day. The religious people missed him in their day. I believe in America there are many forgotten Bethlehems. And there are many mangers all over America where revivals are about to be born, where awakenings are about to take place all over America. And can I just bring it on down home? Can I just say right here in Sugartown, right here at New Harvest Church in Clouston, Florida, I believe we are a revival about to manifest. We are a movement that's about to manifest the works of God in the earth, and we are coming after families. We are coming after children. We're coming after ethnicities. We are coming after government. We are coming after everything that God has for us. We're coming after the business realm. We're coming after the arts and the entertainment realm. We are coming after every sphere of influence because we refuse to be quiet. We refuse to sell out to a godless order when we know that God has an empowered us to overthrow something. Hey, come on somebody, push on somebody and tell them it's the Christmas you got to have. It's the Christmas you got to have. So trying to eliminate Christ is nothing new because we read it in our text. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2 verse number 1, Jesus was born in the days of Herod. In other words, Jesus was born in the days of great chaos. A lot of controversy in the days that Jesus was being born. He was born in a day of violence. He was born in a day of political and social unrest. That was the day that he was born in. Can I just tell you that the movement of God's going to be born in the most upheaval that you can imagine possible? Because when it gets beyond you, it's got to be about him. Because when you can't fix it, he can. 
until the church begins to understand we're just a vessel. We're just what he is flowing through. We are the channel of heaven's glory. And if God would just put us in a place, and if we would just open up our life and let the power of God flow through us, we will birth not only a, a community revival, but we will, revert, we will birth a national movement that will take place to the four corners of the earth because we believe we have been born for such a time as this. It's what we believe. So he was born in the days of Herod. Herod was an evil king. Herod was so paranoid about his power that he had his three sons and one of his wives and her brother and his mother-in-law and his wife's grandfather put to death. Whew. Because he saw them as a threat to his power. You wonder why the chaos is going on in America? Because Christ is a threat to power. It don't shock me that our world is flaring up with all kind of unrest. It's because the church is trying to manifest. It was all right as long as the church was silent. There was no rooms to shake. Everything was okay as long as the church was quiet. But now you let the church say, hey, we're not going to be quiet no more. Now all of a sudden you got unrest. You got chaos. And you can put it a black thing, a white thing. You can put it a Democrat thing, a Republican thing. I'm putting it as an evil thing. We are born in the days of evil, and we are contending with a Herod spirit that wants power. But we, the church, know a power that's greater than that power. So the fact that the Magi, the Magi, the wise men from the east, so the fact that they called him king of the Jews was a direct threat to Herod's power. When he heard the word king, because Herod at that point in time in that particular region was king of the Jews. And when he heard that Jesus was going to be born king of the Jews, that was a direct threat to his power. The, word, the Bible says he was troubled. That the word, this will be on the screen. The word trouble is the word terrasso, which literally means to be stir, to stir or to agitate, to take away the calmness of mind or to disturb, to make one restless or to strike one's spirit with fear or dread. Herod was agitated. He lost the stability of his own mind. He was disturbed. He was restless. When Herod heard the news of a new king in town, he was troubled. The spirits of our day are hearing the news that there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new king in town. And there's something that's going on. I don't know how the devil operates his headquarters, but I just imagine there's all kind of demonic phone lines going 911 and reporting back saying there's something going on in Florida. There's something going on in Wisconsin. There's something going on. There's this rumbling. There's this, there's this agitating. There's this disruption. There's this comfort that is taking place because pockets of revival are trying to be born again. Movements of God are trying to be born again that won't let people stay in their sin because he came to forgive us of our sins. He came to save us from our sins. So when Herod heard the news, he got nervous because it became a threat to his power. What was not a threat to his power was education. What was not a threat to his power was a degree. What was not a threat to his power was a cooperation, an industry. What was not a threat to his power was money, fame, or politics. What was a threat to his power was a man named Jesus. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are contending today with a Herod spirit. It's a spirit that's been troubled in our world. But I take courage in that. And I take great delight in that. Not that I'm happy that the way things are going, but I take great delight in that because out of that, something is about to be born. Something is about to emerge. The reason why Herod wanted to kill this one born king of the Jews, because he knew, according to prophecies, and you can read that in Matthew 1 and 2, you can find out that Herod knew scripture. He knew based on prophecies that he was coming to bring a new establishment of government in the earth. Herod got agitated with that. Not every person who works in political offices are, are bad. We know that. We got some in here, our mayor, Molly, she's one of the godliest people we have that's ever ran our city. They're not bad. I'm not talking about every, I'm not trying to make a clean slate. But I'm telling you, there's enough of it that's birthed out of the bowels of hell. If you don't think Jezebel is in play, if you don't think Haman is in play, and all these people that, I'm telling if you don't think that these people are after something, you have lost your mind. And so it's a spirit that wants to eliminate the presence of Jesus. I'm going to get ready to close here. I'm going to, get, I'm going to preach this last point, and I'm going to close maybe. <laughs> Christmas not till Friday. Jesus separates us from all, of, all other religions. He said, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he's Lord. He's the way. He separates us. And so when you're living in a culture, that's trying to separate you from the very thing that you believe in, there's got to be something that rises up. And my challenge to this house going into 2021 here at Christmas season, he was born as a baby, but he became the king. And if we want to break it down, he was born king. He just had to come as an infant to get here. So it's a spirit that wants to eliminate God's presence in the earth. There's some atheists and some other religions will say, well, Christians claim Christmas as their holiday. Christmas is a Christian holiday. Okay, it is. And we're going to exercise our freedom to defend our freedom, to keep our freedom. Get over it. Because the silent majority has been silent too long. And Herod represents the spirit of the world. Look at this. Guys, if you'll put Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9 and 6 up there for, for me. For a child will be born to us, and the son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. And on the throne of David and over the kingdoms to establish and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then and on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Notice that there will be no end to the increase of his power. There will be no end to the increase of of his authority. The governments will rest on his shoulders and there will be no end and it will rule and reign forever, forever, and forever. 
So if you think that God has checked out of America, you have checked out of God. If you think that God has abandoned America, you have abandoned God because God is very much involved with what is going on in our nation as he is other nations of the world. What's holding the movement back is not the political realm, it's the church. And when the church begins to get lit, when the church begins to get on fire, we will say back to the powers of hell, we're in a government that cannot be defeated. We're in a government that cannot be dismissed. Hallelujah. Write, write these down real quick. Write these down. No, notice no, notice there's, a, there's a comparison. Guys, this will be the comparison between his government and religion. Number one, religion has always tried to separate man to leave the earth, but his government has empowered man to dominate the earth. You see that? Religion is all about trying to reach God, but his government is about God living through us. Religion wants to vacate the earth and hide from its trouble, but his government wants to impact, influence, and change the trouble. Religion is seeking to get the earth into heaven, but the government brings heaven into the earth. That's the difference. That's why the churches can't be religious. We got to operate from a government. Because whatever... If you never appropriate, you can never appropriate what you postpone. You can't appropriate if you keep postponing. That's what they call locking down the kingdom. Religion keeps pushing the kingdom to another day. The kingdom's not on its way, it's here. The government of God is not trying to get here, it's here. But religion puts it for another day. Religion says, well, someday it's going to get better. Well, one day, someday I'm going to get healed. Someday I'm going to get my breakthrough. Someday I'm going to quit cussing. <laughs> Just trying to break it down. Someday I'm going to be over, an overcomer. No, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. You don't put it off for another day. Listen, we don't have 10 years to wait on the move of God. We got a generation that's at stake right now. You don't have 10 years for your 5-year-old to become a 15-year-old. You better get something moving in your family now. You better get the power of God exercising now. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, watch out for the leaven of Herod. Because Herod is a political spirit that depends on man. It's a political spirit that depends on man. I want to close it. Pastor Porter, you guys can come on. Let me just wrap this up. I, I got three powerful points that I'll just give you later down the road. A political spirit doesn't want to worship God. It wants to compromise with God for its own gain. And what releases the spirit of Herod is the unveiling of prophecy. The spirit attacks right before the fulfillment of prophecy. What's going on in our nation? It's way bigger than a, than a party line. It's way bigger than that. It's not about Republicans or Democrats. It's about the manifestation of evil. Because we got evil people in power that need to come out of power. And the prophecy that's gone up in this land over the last several years, I don't believe all the prophets are wrong. In fact, I'm going to stand with the prophets. 
It beats standing with somebody else. I'm going to fight with the prophets. I'm going to contend with the prophets. Because things always get escalated when prophecy is released. Nobody was concerned about Jesus until prophecy was released. Now all of a sudden the prophecy creates a threat. Come on, Herod Spirit. That's why we got to shut it down. This, this whole thing that's going on with, the, with, with our world and our nation right here, this whole, this whole pandemic thing, it's, no more people had died in 2020 than they did in 2019. No more people have died. No more people have died. But we have made a pandemic out of it because we have believed the false prophets. We have believed the narrative of the false reports. And so now we are walking around scared. We're walking around in fear. And, 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 and it's all because prophecy is being released because something is trying to emerge. Something is about to be born. There's a movement coming into the earth. Christmas was about a movement. Christmas was about a Savior coming to exercise his kingdom in the earth. You can stand. You can stand. What is about to be born It's something bigger than we've all ever realized. And if you just think about it, and I, we don't have time to break it all down now because it is time to go, but you know the nativity scenes that we have? You know that's not right. None of those nativity scenes are right. None of them. None of them. None of them. Because every nativity scene shows Jesus in a manger, Mary and Joseph, a few animals, and three wise men, Right? The Bible never says there were three wise men. It just says wise men. There were three gifts given. The wise men was not there at his birth. They were not there. When Jesus was born, the wise men were not, was not there. It took them two years to find him, and the Bible says they found him as a toddler in the house, meaning he was at least two years old. So these wise men were, after seeing Herod, went on a two-year journey to find this one born king of the Jews. And I have to ask myself, what would make these astrologers, these scientists, these mathematicians, these educators, these philosophers, these astrologers, what would make them walk across a thousand miles of desert for two years? They didn't go because it was a theory. They didn't go because it was a good idea. They didn't go because they had goosebumps. They, go, they went because prophecy was being fulfilled. And it took them two years to get to the place. It may take you two years. It may take you two months, but you got to be willing to get on the journey so that the power of God can manifest. When they got there, you know the story. They got there and they just fell down and they began to worship him. Wise men from the east who were not believers recognized the authority of a government that was bigger than anything they've ever been a part of. And the Bible says they fell at his feet and they began to worship. Had to be more than just a campaign ad. Whew. Had to be more. I'll tell you what it was. It was over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament that was being fulfilled. When Isaiah said unto you, a child is born, a son is given, that prophecy was made 700 years prior to his arrival. They understood scriptures. 
And they were coming to find the one born king. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So this is, I want to close it like this. Christmas is about the fact that God became a man. The greatest miracle in human history when God became a man. Laid down his deity. Unzipped his majesty. And came in the form of a man. Think about it like this. On that first Christmas morning, you had a baby being held by a woman that he created. <laughs> That'll make you scratch your head. On that first Christmas morning, you had the one who made the trees that built the stable that hung over his head. On that first Christmas morning, you had the animals all around the stable that he created to witness his birth. On that first Christmas morning, the star that led the wise men from the east that hung over that manger, you had a star that he spoke into existence, a star that he spoke into existence, and he gave it a name. Witness the birth of heaven's glory. On that first Christmas morning, you had a God who had emptied himself of his deity and became in the likeness of men. You see, this year, if I could just help us understand, that's what Christmas is about. It's recognizing that God became like us so that we could become like him. That's what Christmas is about. The Bible says, and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord in heaven on earth and under the earth. The question is not will you bow. The question is when. You're going to bow. Can I tell you what else is going to bow? Religion's going to bow. Evil government's going to bow. Presidents and prime ministers and shariks are going to bow. Imams are going to bow. Every knee's going to bow. Because he's our king. <laughs> he's our king. I was, I think I did this, I don't know, I know I did it, it had to be seven or eight years ago. I, I used this, I was, I, I like to study and listen to old preachers. Just because I think there's some theological things that they put in to things that, that are deep. And, and I came across this guy, which I've heard him years before, but he came across, I came across this message and some of you remember when you see it, but. His name is S.M. Lockridge. S.M. means Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. That's his name, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. He's an old Baptist preacher, a black Baptist preacher in San Diego, California. He died in the year 2000, an amazing orator, an amazing preacher. I love to listen to his stuff. I go on YouTube sometimes and I just Google just to hear him. Something about them old-time preachers that just make it 
plain. Make it what it is. And, and, and I came across one of his messages years ago when he was trying to describe what this God is like. And then, of course, modern-day technology got involved, and they began to put some pictures to it. But, but if you listen to the original version, it's all the same words. It's just that we, we fixed it up a little bit with some pictures. But I'm trying to describe to you what this God is like, and, and I'm falling short, but S.M. Lockridge got it right. So just for the next moment or two, I want you all to listen to him as he describes this God that came to the earth. is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. This idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's 
on, somebody. That's my king. That's my king. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't stop him. Glory. That's what Christmas is all about. Come on, take about 30 seconds and lift your voice. Lift your voice like a trumpet and begin to give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's my king. That's my king. translation says beware another translation says watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod he was making a distinct understanding that there are two things he was talking to his disciples talking to his church there are two things that the church has to guard against the leaven of the Pharisees is a religious order that has a power that has, a, that, that, that has no power. It's, it's, a, it's a form of godliness, but no power. 
He said, you got to beware of the leaven. Leaven, leaven is what, it's that little bit of leaven that like gets in the dough, in the dough, the, 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 the batch. And it begins to affect the whole batch. A little bit of leaven. Paul said a little bit of leaven will affect the whole lump. Just a little bit. He said, you got you to watch out for the leaven. You got to watch out for a little bit of religion. Because it will affect your entire life. He says, you got to watch out for the leaven of Herod. Because that's a political spirit. You give into it just a little bit, it's going to affect your whole life. So you got to watch out for it. You got to watch out for it. Because a little leaven messes up the whole bunch. It affects everything. I just want to say to us going into 2021, we got a couple more services, but we are standing on what could be the greatest outpouring Thank all three of y'all. I don't know where y'all are at, right? I know you need to go, but, but we're standing on the greatest threshold of the monumental moves of God. If you'll hold the line, if you'll keep declaring what God has said about you, we're going to see it manifested. But it won't come through a pharmaceutical spirit, a religious spirit that thinks you got enough of God and never change. You're always gravitating to old natures, old behaviors. It's the pharmaceutical spirit. Jesus said it this way about the Pharisees. He says, you're like whitewashed tombstones. You look good on the outside, but you're like dead men's bones on the inside. In other words, y'all know this. Christians can fake it, can't they? Christians will just put up a good scene in front of everybody else, but inside you're dying. Inside there's dead men's bones. That's what he was saying. You got to watch out for that kind of spirit because that's a religious spirit. My spirit brings transformation. So we're going to pray. And I know there's people all over this building today. I just want you to bow your heads just for a moment. And I just want you to be honest with me because I want to pray a prayer of deliverance right here as we set the, set the pace for 2021. Just say, in this place today, you say, you know what? I'm ready to be free from every level of bondage that's trying to hold me back. I don't want the leaven of, of the Pharisees, and I don't want the leaven of Herod. I don't, want, I don't want religious spirits, and I don't want to be manipulated by political agendas. I want to be free in Christ. I want this Christmas to be liberating in my life. That's you in here. Just throw your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. Just say, I'm ready to be free. Hands are going up all over the building. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hands are going up. I'm ready to be free. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free from everything that's external, and I'm going to be free from everything that's internal. The leaven of the Pharisees is internal. The leaven of Herod is external. I'm going to be free from all that today. In Jesus' name, while your hands are lifted, the church is going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for the power of God to come. Lord, right where they are, touch them. Touch them in their place. Touch them in their position right now in you. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus for the liberating power of the Holy Spirit to come and invade their life. Break the chains. Break the shackles. Break the things that come to bind. Break the things that brings limitations. Break it. Break it off of their life. Set them free. Set them free in their spirit. Set them free in their mind. Set them free in their bodies. Lord, I speak healing. I speak restoration. I speak wholeness. Restore what the enemy has stolen. Restore. Give it back. Give it up in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for the power of the cross. Hallelujah. We thank you that Jesus came to save us. He came to save us 
of our internal. He came to save us of our externals. He came to save us of our sins. We are free. We are free today to be bold. We are free today to exercise our faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let the power of God flow. Come on, if you believe that, let's just give God praise. Come on, give him praise. Come on. Pastor Carlos is going to close us out in prayer. I'm going to run to the back because there's some of y'all hadn't seen in a while. I just want to shake your hand. But I just want to say this. Coming into Christmas 2020, you ought to blow the roof off your house. This ain't the time to be discouraged. God is waiting for the church to come alive. And if you, I don't know what your traditions are, but if you have your family and you gather your family however you do it, opening the presents, just speak to your children and let them know the value about what's to take place. It's not Santa Claus. It's not tearing into presents. It's about honoring presents. Yes. Yes. Take that time to do that. Put it into your kids. Because we live in a humanistic society. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is not going to teach your kids to serve God. The world ain't going to do it. In fact, we got, we, got, we got good church kids that are struggling in their identity with God now because they got too much of the world's indoctrination in them. Struggling in their walk with God because we're trying to change the Bible rather than change our desires. So you got to teach them. Gather your family together.